Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Thank you for joining us either this Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or whenever you are catching up with our service time. As you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11, we're going to continue our sermon series. I just want to give a shout out. We had the most amazing marriage night event last night. Uh, Dr. Ron Harden knocked it out of the park. We had a blast, great food and fellowship. Uh, thank you for all for joining us and we will do it again. So um, just just excited. Just excited about marriage and life and Thrive. Uh, we appreciate all of you uh, in helping us do everything that we do here through this house. So as you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11, we're going to read from verse 17 to 27. Before we read it, I want to just catch you up. This sermon series is entitled Night and Day, and the focus of this series is on the seven I am statements of Christ. Now briefly, the reason we're focusing on that and how we're tying that, the seven I am statements of Christ with the theme is that we wanna emphasize to our church family that Jesus is the same. He, nothing's taken away from him. Nothing is added to him. He is the I am, the self-sufficient one, regardless of the season, regardless of how we feel, regardless of what we see, he is the I am. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the all-sufficient God. And we want you anchored to him here in 2020 because we've seen a lot of curveballs. Um, there's been some dark days. There's been some dark nights. And we need to make sure that we are close to the one who, whether it's night or day, he sees it all, he knows it all, and he's always in control. So I hope this has been an encouraging sermon series as we've talked about how he says, I am the light of the world. He said he was the bread of life. He said, I am the gate to the sheep pen. And we talked about how he said, I am the good shepherd. That was last week. Today, we're going to be speaking out of John chapter 11. And he makes this I am statement. I am the resurrection and the life. Just you, It's right there on your TV or on your screen. Can you just say that with me? I am the resurrection and the life. In him, dead things come back. And in him, we live. John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27, read like this. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, and here's the key passage, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. 
Do you believe this? <clears throat> yes, Lord. She replied, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Now, we're kind of picking up the story kind of in the middle of the, of the account, but Jesus has been ministering, teaching, and healing, and he, hear, he heard that his good friend Lazarus was very sick. And he, he hears the news and he waits a couple of days and then he decides he's going to come back to be with Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Now you can read, after, to, after the message, you can go and read the first part of the chapter. It's a really interesting conversation because Jesus had been in Judea and his life had been threatened and he had actually uh, crossed over and ministered in another part of Israel. And he hears the news and he's gonna come back and his disciples get pretty worried. So we have two things that are going on. One, Lazarus is very sick. And two, the disciples are scared to go back to Judea because of the threats that were uh, put on Jesus. In fact, Thomas says at the end of their little conversation, well, let's go and die with Jesus. So there are two dynamics going on here. And in the middle of that conversation, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I want to give you just five key thoughts that I hope will bless you, that I want you to meditate on here throughout the week, considering Christ's proclamation that he is the resurrection and he is the life. Number one, Jesus is the life and the life brings light. Jesus is the life and the light and the life brings light. The reality is that if you live more than, you know, six months, you're going to learn right away that you don't always know what's going on. In fact, you don't always get what you think you're gonna get. You can have some really good plans. I, let me tell you, we walked into 2020 with some really good plans. And um, we had a, a theme for the year. It, it, we, our theme for the year is nothing else. And we had heard what other churches were doing and there was a lot of 2020 kinds of themes like 2020 vision. Um, for example, that was a big one, right? The whole play on the eyeglasses and they, you know, they were talking about a vision that God had given them and, and that, that, that's great. Um, we went with nothing else and we look back and we think, man, you know, I, I don't know that anyone saw what was coming, right? The 2020 vision thing. I don't know if anyone saw what was coming. We were really happy with our theme, nothing else, because we have nothing else but Jesus in 2020, right? We, we haven't been able to get together inside, but we got Jesus. Uh, we haven't been able to you know, go watch our kids play football, but we got Jesus. We haven't been able to go inside Sizzler and have a steak or all-you-can-eat shrimp or, or, or uh, my favorite is the, the classic trio. I can't do that inside Sizzler. We don't got Sizzler. We don't got football in the football stadiums. We, but we, we got nothing else but Jesus. Sometimes you just don't know what's going on and you don't get what you think you're going to get. The other day, my wife, Lori, went to visit a, a women's small group. And so she goes up to the front door and she rings the doorbell. It's got one of those uh, ring things, I think they're called, with the camera. 
And so she rings the doorbell and she's waiting, no one comes. She rings the doorbell again and no one comes. And, and finally she rings it a third time and, and, and she, hears, uh, uh, she hears a man say, what do you want? And um, she thought it was Pastor Luis, when it was at their house, thought it was Pastor Luis. So she replied, I want all your money. And it's because she thought he was playing with her. So she says, I want all your money. And the man inside says, what do you want? And she says, I want all your money. So the man opens the door and it's not Pastor Luis. It's some, some guy. She's at the wrong house. And she's telling the people she wants all their money. I'm just glad that you know, he didn't have a gun or something. She was shocked and she apologized and she called Sister Adriana and got the right address and she got there safe and sound. But let me tell you, she was shocked. Sometimes you're sure you're knocking on the right door, but you don't know really what's on the other side of it. Can I just tell you that the life of Christ brings light? When Jesus is talking with his disciples earlier in this chapter, they say to him, why do you want to go over there? Don't you know that they're going to kill us? In fact, they say, but Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And Jesus answered them, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light." In the NIV, in most translations, it, is, it actually says there in verse 10, for they do not have the light in them. Friend, can I just tell you that you can knock on a door. You're not sure what really is going to happen when it gets opened. You don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. We certainly didn't know what 2020 held. But there can be a light within us that gives us just enough room to walk in safety. And that perspective, that light, that vision doesn't come from simply uh, wanting to know or trying really hard or doing good works. Can I just tell you, it doesn't come from religion in all of its, uh, of its, uh, of its practices. That light comes from the life of Christ. When we experience the infusion of the life of Jesus Christ, not just emotion, but a transforming move of his power within us, it illuminates us from the inside out. Something is first seen inside of us before it's seen outside of us. We first recognize and capture a truth his promises, his character within us before we ever see the evidence of it outside of us. His life brings light. The life of Christ should have caused the disciples to be very confident of going back to Judea. But although they'd been walking with him and eating with him and hearing his, his lessons and, 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 and seeing his miracles, they still thought he, he was leading them to their death. Why? Because the life of Christ had not yet entered, although they were right around him. Let us be careful to not be around Christ and disallow his life to bring light. Don't be satisfied with simply being in proximity to him. We have to let his life bring light within us. Jesus is the life and his life 
brings light. Second, Jesus is the life. And can I tell you, there is no true living without him. Without Christ, we exist. Without him, we're kind of passing through. But there is no vitality. There is no true fulfillment. There is no satisfaction. There is no true peace except for his life at work within us. Without him, we're going through the motions. Without him, we're chasing dreams. Without him, we're going after the things that other people tell us is the meaning to life, whether it's relationships or, or success or monetary acquisitions, whether it's having children or having children's children. Can I tell you that all of those things in of themselves might be good and have inherent value, but they do not fulfill our lives. Only Jesus brings a life worth living. I was thinking about this earlier today. How many famous, wealthy people who had it all based on what this world could give, what this world had to offer, and yet they were without life to the point that the little life they had, they couldn't even call real living. It was existing. And they wrote suicide notes and ended their lives surrounded by possessions, millions of fans, adoring crowds. Can I tell you, they had countless people that were willing to tell them how great they were, but it wasn't enough for them to truly live. Bank accounts that it would have been hard to empty in a lifetime. Hundreds of millions of dollars at their disposal. And they couldn't purchase enough life worth living. Even in their youth, 20s, 30s, midlife, 50s, and they had tasted and seen, not God, but the world. And they lost all sense of life worth living. We were made to live with Christ at the center of our lives. That's why we, it said we are born again. That's why when we get baptized, it's a symbol of us going down into the water as dying and being resurrected out of that water, coming to new life. Only life, real life, true life can be found in Jesus Christ. And can I tell you that there are the Robin Williams and the Kurt Cobain's and the Anthony Bourdain's of, of the world that have had it all and ended their lives because there was nothing here worth living for. And yet I have been at the bedsides of, of those who have hardly anything. They have no riches or wealth. There are, there are not thousands of fans waiting for news or millions of fans waiting for news of their health but they have a little bit of family and a whole lot of faith and they end their days worshiping and singing and smiling with tears of joy while their mortal life ebbs. Their spiritual life will continue. 
and tears stream down their face because that hospital room is not filled with mourning as much as with praise. A life that was lived well, a life that is eternally secure in Christ, a life that is not ending but just transitioning. That's real living. That's the life that just continues in heaven forever. Jesus is the life, and there is no living without him. Number three, Jesus is the resurrection. I love this. He's the resurrection, and so there is no hope without him. There is no hope without him. When we come, when we accept the resurrection power of Christ, then we become acutely aware that if God could take my mourning and exchange it for gladness, if he could take my blindness and give me sight, if he could take my guilt away and give me peace, if he could take my shame away and lift my head, we recognize that the work of Christ on the cross and his resurrection power gives us hope that nothing is outside of our grasp. I was reading a professor, Richard Loveless, and he said there are three kinds of people on the planet the irreligious, the religious, and Christians. He doesn't think, it's very interesting, he doesn't believe there's really atheists, those that really deep down don't believe in God. And the next crisis of an atheist life can cause them to fall on their knees and cry out to God, even if they're not sure which God it is. Deep down inside, we believe there's someone out there. There's something out there at the very least. And so he describes there are three kinds of people on the planet. The irreligious, the people who, who, who down deep inside, there is a belief that there's a God, but there is no concern, there's no devotion, there's no value. Second would be the religious people. These are people who believe in God and might, might even practice religion, like, like reading a Bible or singing a song. But they are actually attempting to manipulate God into doing something they want. If I go to church, even drive in church, then God, I hope you'll give me that job I really need. Or if you heal my cancer, then I promise that I will be faithful to you, even though I've never been faithful before, I'm gonna be faithful to you to the last day. These are religious people who attempt to manipulate God to a degree. And the problem with those according to Loveless is that they're always filled with fear because they recognize that every Sunday there's a new challenge. Every Sunday, there's a realization of a new standard or a new part of the standard, and their hearts sink because they know they can't perform it all. How will they ever get God to do what they want? But the Christians recognize this. They're only saved by grace. That there's not a thing they could do to earn their salvation. And because 
of the goodness of God to die and pay the price, to forgive their sins. There's a hope that bubbles within the believer because they know they were never good enough and they'll never be good enough. And it's their love and affection for Christ that drives them towards obedience, that drives them towards devotion, that drives their worship and drives their scripture reading. If only I can know God more. He's so good. He's so loving. And someone with that kind of faith always has hope. Always has hope. Because the God of the universe loves me. The God of the universe loves me. There's not a thing he cannot do. And he loves me. That gives me hope against the cancer, or that gives me hope for my marriage, or that gives me hope for my rebellious son, that gives me hope in a pandemic, that gives me hope during political unrest, that gives me hope when the economy goes down. He's the God of hope. He's resurrected me, and now I believe. I believe he can do anything because he has resurrected me. The fourth is that Jesus is the resurrection and there is no eternal life without him. If someone is watching this message and maybe the times, you maybe it's been forever since you've been in church or maybe you've been in church and this just hasn't clicked yet, I want you to know that Jesus is the resurrection and there is no way to heaven without him. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the way to the Father. If we could have done it on our own, if you were ever, or if I was ever going to be good enough, if we had it within our capacity to be good enough to get to heaven, why in the world would he have died? It was impossible. So he died. He died to pay the price so that we could live with him. But he had to resurrect. See, he couldn't just die. He had to conquer sin while he was here. And he had to conquer the grave. He had to show that his power was enough. If the Lamb of God could take away the sin of the world, then we can live forever with him. We have to put our faith in him. We have to be committed to him. We have to believe in him. There's no end around the cross. There's no other way to the Father except to humbly call him Lord and God and accept his sacrificial work that makes the way. And I'm going to end with this. The fifth declaration is Jesus is the resurrection and if death can't stop him, what can? What can? If death can't stop him. Think, think about it. The ultimate trap, the ultimate test is death. There is no one else on the planet who has died and three days later, later come back. In fact, Jesus here is prophesying his own resurrection. He is coming back. He's, he, several times in his ministry, he explained that he would die and come back in three days. He foretold his accomplishment. And if the trap of death could not 
keep him back. If the trap of death could not thwart his will, then nothing can stop his resurrection power. Nothing. There's a husband and wife out there that are struggling. If you make a commitment together to pursue Christ, he can resurrect your dead marriage. If there is someone out there listening who feels completely lost, utterly lost, like you've, 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 you've betrayed God too many times, can I, I just want to tell you, your faith and your relationship in Christ can be resurrected. There is nothing outside of his power. If death couldn't keep him, your problems won't either. All it takes is a willing heart to believe. I'm not talking about a religious assent or nod that he is God and he, he can. I'm talking about a commitment of the will that if we devote ourselves to Christ, nothing can stop him from working in us. What dead things litter the floor of your life? And to believe that he can cause those things to rise again. Relationship with a son or a daughter. A career that you began to worship, that he allowed to die so that you can worship the one true God and see your career as a way to glorify him. Perhaps a dream that you used to worship that you devoted yourself to above the Lord, compromises that we have made to, to acquire or to rise to certain levels because we began to worship the things rather than the giver of the dream. And so he allowed those things to perish so that we would not be lost. But if we turn to him, with devotion and look at everything around us through the cross, how we might worship him with our children, how we might worship him in the way we handle a career and how we can worship and glorify him with the accumulation of resources. I'm telling you that things can come back and the things that stay dead should have never lived in the first place but he will resurrect his promises to you and he can resurrect his gifts to you. The very things he wanted you to have in the first place, but we did not know how to handle, he can resurrect those dead things. If death couldn't hold him back, nothing can. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. There's no living outside of him. There's no counting us, counting us out with him. There is no hope without him, but there is every hope within him. He's the resurrection and he is the life. And in these challenging seasons, friend, in fact, just this last week, there was a presidential debate. We have an election coming up in November. All of us know about it. In fact, we'll be talking about politics and the election in our upcoming podcast in just a couple of weeks. Um, if you haven't looked at those, I encourage you to look up our podcast to get you, bless you, and to encourage you throughout the week. But we need to address these things through the lens of Christ. We need to know there's always hope. 
We need to know he's not done working. We need to know he's the I am that I am. We need to build on his wisdom and we need to build for his glory. And if we do so, we and our children will come through this season better than how we entered it. He is the I am. I love you, family. Thank you for your faithfulness. We're here to serve you. If there's anything you need, prayer or anything else, please let us know. We're here to serve you. Together, we're gonna get through it. We love you, family, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.